Welcome to Your Health IQ, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of health and wellness. I'm your host, Pam Barnes. And I'm Jay, co-navigating with Pam during our discussions. Together, we're PB and Jay, relaying information about a wide range of health-related topics we think might be of interest to our listeners. We're tackling the big questions and uncovering the science and stories that matter most to your health but aren't making the headlines. Welcome listeners to PBJ Connection, Your Health IQ. Today we're going to be talking about the endocrine system and the endocrine system disruptor chemicals. Pam's going to start us off with a short discussion on what the endocrine system is. Take it away, Pam. Hey, Jay. Hey, listeners. Look, today we're going to talk about something, and you may think that this is boring, but actually what we're going to be talking about could save your life. So, We talk about uh, the endocrine system, the human endocrine system, and it's made up of glands that produce hormones. And these hormones act as chemical messengers that help regulate many functions in the body. So I'm just going to name a few of the major, Jay, of of what is composed of the endocrine system. So we can start with the pituitary gland. Now, this is located at the base of the brain, and it releases hormones that stimulate glands as well as hormones that impact the growth, uh, blood pressure, pregnancy and birth, breast milk production, sex organ function, and the thyroid gland functions. And so when we talk about thyroid gland, the thyroid gland is this butterfly-shaped gland. It's it's in the front of the neck um, and makes a hormone associated with growth and development as well as uh, mood and reproductive processes. And then there's the adrenal glands. The adrenal glands sit on top of the kidneys, and it's a hormone uh, involved in the stress response, as well as blood pressure regulation, immune system, and the male sex characteristics. Then there's the pancreas. And people have heard often about people having pancreas, you know, cancer of the pancreas. But it's a cluster of cells, and even though you would say this is not a gland it is it does have a function in the body and that's to regulate the blood sugar control levels within the body and then of course the ovaries um, when women have to release estrogen and progesterone both which regulate um, puberty menstrual cycles and reproduction and then in the males, there's a t- uh, testes, um, and this is a reproductive growth plan that's found only in males uh, that produce testosterone, um, involved in the sperm production, sex drive, the muscle mass, as well as bone density and blood circulation um, production in the, in the male body. So the proper functioning, Jay, of these, well, all these glands is essential for our health. You know, they're... Even small disruptions in the home hormone levels can lead to a significant effect on the body's development of processes. So to make the endocrine system where it's not being disrupted by certain chemicals, uh, we can actually improve our overall health in, in so many areas. And Jay, I'm going to let you talk about those areas in which we can um, we, we see these changes in people's bodies, and, and you and I have talked about how things have changed over time uh, as far as diagnosis and, and, and certain um, sexes as well as age group. And, and Pam, I have to say that uh, I know personally how hormones are impacted uh, with the removal of some of those items that you just discussed, like the ovaries, <laughs> right? I know exactly what the impact was, and that was in 1999, by the way. And uh, in women, you know, when you're talking about getting rid of organs, especially the ovaries, um, there is there's an impact uh, that that has to be addressed. And uh, also, I would say those folks with thyroid problems, whether it's hypothyroid or hyperthyroid, you know, leading to either being underweight or overweight. Uh, that's also a pretty big deal and I think has, I don't know for sure, but based on the articles that I've read, that's something that is, seems to be experienced by older women 
not necessarily you know uh, women in their teens and 20s and 30s and so as as the body ages again from personal experience <laughs> i can tell you that uh, hormone changes really impact the rest of your well-being and your your feeling good on a daily basis. Yeah, uh, you know, I have my concerns, Jay, about you know uh, because there's so many there's the the hormone replacement therapy. There's so many things that are coming out. But what if we could reverse engineer? so that we wouldn't have to be subject to some of these chemicals that are getting into the body. Yeah, that's, I don't know if that's going to happen in our lifetime, Pam, but I think it's really important. We talked about this in a couple of other episodes. Our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren are going to be the recipients of things that our generation and a previous generation has put into motion, and boy, they're going to have a, a they're going to have a mess on their hands if it continues if if things aren't addressed. And so, uh, the first thing I want to talk about, Pam, is uh, I found an article, and there is a conference that goes on, a global conference that goes on for uh, every year, and it's a global conference. And it is dedicated to environmental endocrine disruptors. Um, the Gordon Research Conference, the title of it is called Addressing Environmental Endocrine Disruptors to Improve Planetary Health. So there are definitely people who are concerned about this. This isn't just some kind of a conspiracy theory. This endocrine disruptors, oh, that's you know just a bunch of hooey and I don't know why people talk about it. It's not... It's not a bogus thing. And these people who have gotten together for the past 14 years, this conference has been going on, are from all over the world. And I just want to give you a taste of, um, it actually gives me hope, some of the representatives and where they're from. The University of Massachusetts at Amherst from the United States. Tufts University from the United States. University of Granada in Spain. Uh, University of California at Santa Cruz in the United States, the NRAE in France, the Center for Structural Biology of Montpelier in France, the Maastricht University in the Netherlands, the Helmholtz Center for Environmental Research in Germany, the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in the United States, the University of Southern Denmark, the Norwegian University of Science and Technology in Norway, the University of Antwerp in Belgium, um, North Carolina State University, Northwest University in South Africa, the Seoul National University in South Korea, the University of Liège in Belgium, the Department of Growth and Reproduction in Copenhagen, Denmark, the Vrie Universiteit, I don't know if I said that correct, in Amsterdam, uh, the Universidad Miguel Hernández de Elche in Spain, the Carleton University in Canada, the Uppsala University in Sweden, the ChemTrust in Germany, the IBYMECONICET in Argentina, the Food Packaging Forum Foundation in Switzerland. That is just an example of how many countries are on board with getting this addressed. So it's not some flash in the pan. It's been going on for 14 years, these conferences. And it's a global thing. It's not a United States thing. And it, it gives me hope because it sounds like there are some really um, smart individuals uh, from representing some pretty big countries across the world. So I did want to go into that. Um, most of my information has come from the Endocrine Society. And the Endocrine Society is a global community of phys physicians and scientists dedicated to accelerating scientific breakthroughs and improving patient health and well-being. And so the Endocrine Society has collected, as you would suspect, all kinds of information and research. <clears throat> Excuse me, they've been around for 100 years, and they are at the forefront of hormone science and public health. Uh, the Endocrine Society began in 1916 
when a group of physicians interested in the expanding field of endocrinology gathered at the American Medical Association meeting in Detroit to discuss the formation of a professional society dedicated to the study of internal secretions. So we've got the expertise, right? We've got, and we've got the interest globally. So why should we still be scared, you ask? Right? (laughs) Why should we still be scared? (laughs) Why? Well, we should still be scared because, and like I said, this information is not because I know it. It's because I learned it um, from looking at the Endocrine Society's website. It says that there are nearly 85,000 man-made chemicals in the world. 85,000 man-made chemicals. Only about 1% of them have been studied for safety. 1%. Only 1%. 1,000 or more of those chemicals may be, I'm going to say endocrine disruptor chemicals, and I'm going to just say EDCs, just so I don't have to keep on saying endocrine disruptors, may be EDCs based on their probable endocrine uh, interfering properties. So that's, that's pretty scary in itself, right? Yes. We should talk about 1%. 1% studied for safety, and 1,000 or more of the chemicals may be EDCs, which does not give me a warm, fuzzy feeling, and I doubt it would give anybody a warm, fuzzy feeling. So the first thing, uh, the, the categories that they talked about, the major categories, are as follows. Brominated flame retardants. Those chemicals are used in electronics, clothing, and furniture. And we're talking about sofas and mattresses included, and those reduce flammability, right? So, mm-hmm. Pam, you probably remember, as I do, mm-hmm. I think it was in the 70s, where uh, the manufacturers were required to make their yes. uh, items less flammable, uh, especially, especially for babies and children. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so they started making just about everything that was a textile flame retardant, you know, that would have a a possibility of catching on fire. So those brominated flame retardants are linked to abnormal hormone function in the thyroid. And as Pam mentioned, the thyroid plays a role in fetal and childhood development. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, The Endocrine Society said that these chemicals often migrate out of their products over time where they may contaminate household dust and food. So if you think when you're sitting on your sofa, right, Right. you sit down, you get up, you sit down, you get up, and you you know, depending on how often you're sitting on your sofa or laying on your mattress, Uh those, those those particles that are embedded in those textiles are poof into the air, right? (laughs) They just, like talcum powder, they just, you know, they get into the air, and then you breathe them, or you touch them. Yes. Or your children, or your pets, or whoever. So, that's a a pretty big deal. Oh, the next category is polychlorinated biphenyls, uh, PCBs. Um, They were used in hundreds of industrial and commercial applications because they were not flammable, and they were considered to be uh, chemically stable, and they were used for their insulating properties. The EPA in the United States banned those from being manufactured in 1979. However, they are still present in insulation, electrical equipment, caulking, oil-based paint, and they don't break down very easily. They have the strongest and longest known associations with neurological disorders. That yeah. is not good. Yeah. Not good. Not, not good. good at all. Not good, especially when you think about some of the electrical items that have been around for decades. It's not like electrical yes. items are always replaced like every five years or something. Some of those things, some of those transformers and some of those um, equipment that have been around, um, say if you're, you live in a house from like the 1940s or 1950s or 1960s, and you right. are near electronic transformers that might have uh-huh. that chemical. Right. Should there be a flood, should there be a fire, then, you know, the exposure is, is a potential. Uh-huh. Um, parabens. Now, this is something that 
I never used to think about very often. When I thought about parabens, I was thinking of wax, just wax, right. you know, candles and, right. you know, stuff that you use around the house because you used to use Absolutely. bars of wax like paraffin to um, yes. make things slide. Even right. um, going down uh-huh. the slide, we used to take pieces of wax or wax paper, paper. and put right. it on the, on the metal so that we could go down faster. Yes. So these parabens, they're used as a preservative in makeup, lotion, hair products, shaving creams, toothpaste, suntan products, personal lubricants, and some deodorants. Sure. Studies have shown that it can signal testicular cells to die early, which can lead to male oh. infertility. Wow. Who knew? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. They've also been found in breast cancer tissue but they have not had the link directly to cause breast cancer. But I gotta say, just, just, just as a woman with breasts, right. Right. If, if they have found parabens in breast cancer, I, I gotta think there's some kind of a connection there. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, there's a link somewhere. Somewhere. So um, many products have the label of paraben-free, and so you can avoid them if you look for those in the label. So mm-hmm. you should look for the word paraben, and at the end of the words in the ingredients, such as methylparaben and polypropylparaben. So just look for the word paraben, P-A-R-A-B-E-N. Forget about the, forget about the, the prefix. Just look for the word paraben, and you know what's in there. Right? Yes. So another uh, group of chemicals man-made chemicals are called phthalates. They interfere with the production of androgen. Uh, Testosterone is uh, the same thing as androgen. It's used in hundreds of products, including food and beverage containers and plastic wraps. And those chemicals leach into foods or they're released when the containers are microwaved. So (laughs) if you look at your plastic containers, um, you'll know that they have phthalates if they are number three and V like Victor or PVC in the recycling symbol. You know that little triangle yes. thing? So yes. if you look at that teeny tiny, because they make it so small you need a magnifying glass. Right, you really do. Or you have to hold up the plastic in a way or position it in a light because I've, I've had to do that, turn it over, position it towards the light in order to see what that number inside the triangle. Yeah, and, and so and you and I talked about even when you recycle those things, it's only such a small percentage that even get recycled anyway. So what's really the point? But that's a, yes. But listeners, go to that podcast, and we'll when we talk about recycling. <laughs> recycling. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. The European Union restricted some of those um, some uh, some items with those uh, phthalates uh, since 1999, and the U.S. similarly restricted their use since. 2008. Now it doesn't say banned. What I said just was restricted, not banned, just restricted. Now I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? Because what are the restrictions? (laughs) You're not allowed to use what? You're not allowed to distribute. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either, but to me, restricted doesn't really have much impact to me. No. You either have them or you don't. Right. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So the next group of chemicals are bisphenol A, which are called BPAs. Now, I know you and I and probably many mm-hmm. of other of our listeners have seen products that say, oh, no BPAs, no BPAs. Right. So um, those are best known and the most pervasive as an endocrine disruptor. They've been linked to reduced egg quality and other aspects of egg viability in patients seeking fertility treatment. Who knew that? Do you think, I I don't even know if doctors are telling their patients who are in there for fertility treatments to, hey, be careful of BPA products. Um, They are. um, No. Yeah. (laughs) No. I've never had fertility treatments, so I don't know. I've had two, and no, and I've had grandchildren yeah you know yeah and i've never heard it uh yeah because if that was the case usually they spread the news my children 
or I would spread the news, you know. And wouldn't you think that that would be a topic in medical school? Oh, um, did I just say that? <laughs> I don't know why I would say that. Oh, like like the nutrition part of it. Just right? like the nutrition part of it and the physical fitness and the mental health. Right. Yeah, anyway. Again, listeners, our other podcast where we have talked about things that are not in the mainstream, right? Not right. televised. Um, so BPAs are still used in many water bottles and plastic containers and in the epoxy resins that protect canned foods from contamination. I thought that they had taken those liners out of canned foods because of that, but I don't know for sure. Um, it's it's an it's something that I did not look into, but um, the BPA leaches into products by heating or reheating, like in a microwave, mm-hmm. or being ex- exposed to sunlight or acidic fo- foods such as tomatoes. Oh, wow. Um, regulations are increasing for BPAs, uh, but things that are older or manufactured outside of the U.S. and the European Union or battery-operated may be of particular concern. So those products that are imported, right, mm-hmm. or people that move to the United States from other countries, yeah. then they bring those products with them right. that have not been regulated, they are being used, right? Yes. Lead. Lead is another category and it's linked with adverse female reproductive functions in animal in vitro and human epidemiological studies. Lead was banned in house paints, dishes, and cookware in the U.S. since 1978, but it still can be found in product paint, especially products manufactured in countries which still allow lead-based paint and in plastics where lead is still allowed for softening and stabilizing against heat. I want to know what those well, plastic products are that have lead in them for crying in the night. Yes. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So, the International Persistent Organic Pollutants Elimination Network reported lead in 18% of children's products in Russia and surrounding nations, 15% in the Philippines, and 10% in five cities in China. So any listeners who are... Go back to China, how many? What's the percentage? 10% in five cities in China. Now, I'm speculating here, but I would think that they're probably large cities and not, you know, small cities. I'm guessing, you know, that would have a manufacturing facility. They did not list those particular five cities. So lead, which is a heavy metal, um, cadmium is also, was also mentioned in the uh, society's webpage. And they said cadmium, and we talked about cadmium, right? Yes, we talked we about cadmium, cadmium in batteries. So cadmium is used in batteries, pigments, plastic stabilizers, alloys, and coatings, being increase, increasingly regulated as a carcinogen and a pollutant. As an EDC, research suggests a link to a wide range of detrimental effects on the reproductive system. So the EDCs that, that Pam and I have mentioned and discussed are really related to the reproductive system, which is not good, especially for those who are, you know, trying to conceive and who are, who have conceived and they are not aware of, you know, some of these things that might impact the health of their, their, their infants. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. One last, well, it's not the last one, but the, uh, pesticides and herbicides. They are also considered EDCs because of the similarities between insect and animal endocrine systems. So it's really easy, <coughs> excuse me, to make a connection. If you are using pesticides and herbicides to kill something, and the the method that is used to kill something is to disrupt the endocrine system, then you can assume <laughs> that if you are exposed to that same chemical, whether you're spraying it, you're eating it, you're walking on it, you're touching it, it's going to affect your endocrine system, right? The connection is there. It, it's, it's not a hard connection to make. So um, I'm not going to go too much into that. I do want to talk about uh, the forever chemicals. And these are called PFAS chemicals. Um, these are EDCs that are contaminating our water and food supply. PFAS chemicals are EDCs that are man-made and they're used in oil and water repellents and coatings for common products, including cookware, carpets, and textiles. 
The EDCs don't break down when they're released into the environment and they continue to accumulate over time. So you've probably heard in the news, uh, even briefly, PFOS and PFOA. Yes. Those, those two items are PFOS chemicals. Okay. So the PFOS is the umbrella and the PFOS uh -huh. and the PFOA are under that umbrella. Okay. So what's interesting I found was the evidence suggests that people have lower levels of PFOS in their blood compared to 20 years ago. So that's good news, right? It's probably because things are being restricted, things are being regulated a little bit. Right. right. People right. are becoming more informed, hopefully. Hopefully yes. that's what's happening. Um, other reports say that we now have new types of forever chemicals that are difficult to identify and assess. That's the bad news. So we have the good news and we have the bad news. So um, the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences says there are more than 15,000 PFAS still around today for which we have little research evidence. Only a few states, including Colorado and California, have introduced legislation restricting those forever chemicals in products. Mm, just two. Just, well, it says only a few states, including Colorado including and California. Cal they okay. didn't mention what the few states were, but I would okay. think few is probably less than five, right? Right. That's just Maybe that's why there's been this instant drive to go, instead of California, people are going to Colorado. You know? It could be. It could be. Now, here's, here's the deal. This is what is really concerning to me. Manufacturers are not required to disclose what chemicals they use. So it's not clear what items contain forever chemicals. That's pretty scary. That's pretty scary. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Hold on. Go back. Go back. Mm -hmm. So they're regulating the product right the general product whatever that product is right the the u.s is supposed to be well regulated it it depends on the product and it depends on the regulatory agency that you would think is regulating that product the product like right. the food and drug administration you would think yes. yeah of course they're they're paying attention to that but right. as we've discussed in uh, a couple of other podcasts they don't regulate supplements Nope. They don't regulate vitamins. Nope. They don't regulate they don't regulate cosmetics. No. Listeners. They don't no regulate cosmetics. shampoos. They don't regulate conditioners. They don't yes. regulate hairspray. Right. Mm -mm. Now No. Lotions, creams. Right. Moisturizers. The list is, is so abundant it's crazy. Right. Now mm -hmm. if for some reason the EPA said, Okay, we're gonna um we're going to regulate the chemical called toluene. So toluene is a, a chemical that actually can be found in nail polish. Mm -hmm. And they, there was a, a big brouhaha about that a while back. And I believe it's also or was also in things like hairspray and some other products. And toluene was found to be such a, a high carcinogen at small amounts that the manufacturers kind of said, okay, well, we'll go ahead and take it out of there. But if you look at your uh -huh. nail polish ingredients, you can still find some with toluene in there. Uh -huh. um, so it depends, again, what the, what the product is, what the chemical is, and right. whether that product contains that chemical, right? right. It, right. It's, it's such a, it's crazy. So uh -huh. you're going to, so let me tell you about this, because this was really eye-opening for me. The common products that are used in your house and used daily that contain for these forever chemicals that are also EDCs, an estimated <laughs> nearly everyone has already been exposed to PFAS forever chemicals and has them circulating in our bodies. That's 97% of Americans, according to the uh, CDC. 97% of Americans already have forever chemicals circulating in our bodies. That's not, we're not even talking about microplastics. We're not talking about nanoparticles of plastic. This is the other stuff. This is the other chemicals, yes. right? So, <laughs> people with cancer have significantly higher levels of forever chemicals in their bodies. Oh, geez. I'm watching that. It hit another lake. 
Okay. Huh. Who, who would have thought that? that I, I'm shocked. Shocked, I tell you. And so PFOS exposure linked to a number, is linked to a number of health issues, including cancer, which we just talked about, reduced fertility, which we talked about, high blood pressure, changes in liver enzymes, and low birth weight. They may also impair the immune system, reducing its ability to fight disease or respond to a vaccine. A 2022 report uh, found that a strong link between PFOS and kidney cancer and more moderate associated with breast and testicular cancer exists. You know, they talk about these links. I'm like, really? Do, do you think? And so, and in this article that I read, and I, this was ChemTrust, I believe from Germany, growing evidence suggests that forever chemicals disrupt the endocrine system. Yeah, that's what, we, that's what we've learned. Um, so they interfere with the production of hormones like estrogen, testosterone, and thyroid hormones. Hormone dysfunction may be a key component of our carcinogenesis. So hormone dysfunction and EDCs can lead to cancer. Right. So mm. I have to wonder, with all of that said, and assuming that what I have read is true and accurate, why in the heck do we have any of these chemicals in any of the products that we are using? Follow the money, Jay. Follow. <laughs> you are absolutely correct. Because it's all about the money. Yeah. It's all about the money. So let's talk about um, the things that we can find some of these forever chemicals that are also endocrine disruptors. Coatings on paper and cardboard food and beverage packing. Grease-proof wrappers and containers like those used in fast food and other food packaging. Mm -hmm. Cosmetics, such as waterproof mascara, lipstick, and foundation. Personal care products, lotions, shampoos, shaving creams, body wash. George Mason University in December 2023 found that menstrual products, tampons, pads, and liners contain uh, harmful chemicals. So you figure out all your nether regions right. that touch those things right. are very susceptible to transmission of, of chemicals because yes. of the nature of that tissue. Right. Yes. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. And so you have to wonder, you have to wonder if that's, if that's true, why in the world... Are, are manufacturers allowed to have those chemicals in those products? Why is that being, again, I know, you're going to say it, follow the money, I know, yeah, I know. But, 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 no, they're, they're, yes, follow the money, but then there's this other side that says, why is it necessary to use those chemicals? You know, because that would be my question, why do we have to use these chemicals to produce the product? Yeah, that's that's a now, good question. That's a really good question. Isn't there some other some some other kind of something? And then you think back to way back when, 1800s, probably 1900s, uh -huh. when there were other methods of for menstrual. I'm thinking of menstrual products. What they used. Uh -huh. um, and then <laughs> I start thinking about the commercials that I've seen lately on the underwear. That is supposedly. Yes, I saw that. And so I now, and so I'm now. I'm wondering. Well, is there something in that underwear? That, right. That's what I was thinking. What is inside the underwear, or is there anything that, inside the underwear that's stopping that you're the actually touching? Right. Right. The moisture. So from a period. Yeah, because that's. Right. I mean, you and I both know that mm. when you know menstrual periods are, it's not like a trickle. No, no, especially in the as soon as it starts, right? Right, or right. By day two. Yeah. <laughs> so to think that there are now women's underwear that is being used or is being advertised to be used as period underwear instead of using tampons or liners or or pads. It's like, well, what's in that underwear? What if you wear it when you're not on your period and? What's in that underwear? So you start thinking about flame retardants and, and all of the, you know, the textiles and what they've infused with it. And then you think about the washing of that product and it, right. and it 
getting on all of your other clothes and getting in, in I mean right. if you think about it too much you just don't it's like you can just I just so ill. yeah it's like <laughs> what what can I use can I use a like, leaf <laughs> you know yes absolutely just like you know uh, with the, we talk about menstrual periods just like these menstrual cups yes that a lot of people are using yeah. those cups are made from the plas- from plastic Right? Oh, that, I didn't plastic, think about that. Is that plastic itself is it harmful? Wow, you would think so because it's right up there uh, in your body, touching absolutely. everything. Absolutely, yes, touching everything. So they're so not silicone; they're plastic. Safer, I don't know. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, and all the other device—I don't know what IUDs are made out of. Me either. Um, know, you, you have to it's, wonder. It's just, it's just, it seems like we're unable to avoid all the inherent risks just from the, the products we use, right? Um, the way we store our food, right? And of course, we've talked about this before, the tap water, you know, what's in tap water, all those forever chemicals and, and microplastics. And so, listeners, honestly, I don't have the answers. We're just trying to provide, Jay and I are, are here to provide the information so that you can investigate for yourself and for those that you love. Yeah, and, and I would say, you know, Pam turned me on to the Environmental Working Group uh, website uh, a few months ago and I started checking them out. And they are really at the forefront of looking into products and checking them out and assigning uh, ratings, you know, as to their safety. And so anybody who is curious and wants to find out if their products are, are safe or not, you may want to check that out. There's probably other websites where you can do the same, but that one is one is one that I've been using lately. Yeah. And, and so, that one is the one that I trust. I think uh, someone gave me another uh, website that they use or link that they use and I did a comparison, mm-hmm. um, but the EWG.org, which is the Environmental Working Group, which is their link, they do a very, very comprehensive, because they go into, uh, you know, EBCs. Um, they go into, because it's not only the, the, how the product's made, it may be a fragrance within the product. It may be something that has, you know, it, it may, it's a compilation it's not just an overview like this other website. Right, and you brought up a key word, fragrance. Um, folks, if you look at your products, whether it be mascara, foundation, um, lip gloss, uh, whatever it is, if you look on your products and you see the word as one of the ingredients, fragrance, Fragrance is a word that the manufacturers are allowed to use to create an umbrella of what they are saying is their secret ingredient. And they're not required to tell you what that is or what those are. So when you see the word fragrance instead of the actual chemical that's in that product, you can assume that that word is encompassing at least one chemical that they don't have to divulge to the consumer. Right. So be very careful, I would say, uh, about that. <clears throat> Excuse me, because it could be an EDC, anything that contains fluorine or anything with the word flu- the the letters F L U O R. If you see that in there, fluor, because uh, it's usually attached to another part of the word. Right. Um, that is a f- forever chemical. Um, 55% of lip products have forever chemicals. 82% of waterproof mascara has forever chemicals in it. Um, Forever chemicals can give skin a glossy sheen, so they are intentionally added to cosmetics for that reason. Um, So the popularity of durable makeup that can outlast the day's sweat and the city's grime means there is more demand for all-day wear fueling the increase of forever chemicals in these products. So we are, you know, the public is clamoring for convenience and for certain aspects of a product that they want to have. And be careful what you wish for, because it could be that 
when you ask for that, you're going to get it, and it's not going to be a good thing. Right. You're absolutely right. So, so even these little tiny doses of, you know, that can disrupt the brain, the reproductive system, the immune defenses, the metabolism, you know, even though all our vital processes, you know, we really do need to be conscious of what we're doing, um, even how we store our food, Jay. Definitely. Um, and you and I talked about this offline before where I'm a big processed food eater because I, I'm single and I eat, I don't make meals like I should. Mm -hmm. So I buy things that are microwaved. Right. Most of the, not all, but most of the microwaved mm -hmm. products are in plastic containers with a plastic wrap over them that you're supposed to throw in the right. microwave. I take all of those things out. I put them in a glass container. I do mm -hmm. not use anything plastic when I microwave things. If I, right. if I buy something that's in a plastic container, I transfer it to a glass container uh, mm -hmm. when I get it home. I don't know that it's helping. It's probably helping me more mentally. <laughs> well, no, because you're not feeding it, you know. Mm -hmm. and so uh, it's it's most likely that it probably is helping because of the fact that you're not adding the heat for those emissions to, or those chemicals to be released. Well, not only, but you think about it's not just in your house, but in transport. Yes. Right? Is it... In a heated truck, is it an air-conditioned truck? You know, how, what's the temperature changes as it's being transported to the shelf where you buy it? Right. Um, the place where I buy my multivitamins, uh, I make sure that it's in a, pla in a glass bottle. Glass bottle. It's a glass yes. bottle. It's not a plastic. And I even yes. sent a note to one of the, the companies of another supplement that I buy, and I said, you guys need to start either putting this in a biodegradable pouch or putting it in a glass bottle because I'm really mm -hmm. tired of the plastic. Yes, yes. So. But just like if people pick up prescriptions, yeah. most prescriptions that you pick up from drugstores, they're in plastic bottles. Yep, they are. Yeah. And Absolutely. I just don't understand, is, is it the cost factor of the, in the production of these plastic, you know, is it cheaper to do plastic as opposed to glass? Follow the money, right? The you money. said it, follow the money. Um, even when we were younger, I think, I don't recall prescription medicine being in glass bottles. No. I think they were no, always no. in that the amber-colored plastic yes. bottles, yes. right? And they're still using the amber color, and that's just to keep out the sunlight. Right. Or, you know, to keep out the exposure to, to light. Yeah. It's not necessary because that can change the chemical compound itself. Right, right. But yeah. the plastic itself, and I've never, actually, I've never even noticed one, and I have to go to my dad's stash to, to look at it, but I never saw a triangle on it to show exactly whether this was, a, you know, whether this plastic was harmful or not. Right, yeah. Well, why would you? Because you've... All the literature that you see, at least from my um, waste company here where I live, uh -huh. says, okay, all the recyclable products are from one to five. Right. I never paid any attention as to, you know, what each, you know, what one, one meant, two meant, three meant, four right. meant, five meant. I, I said, okay, it's, you know, oh, it's a three. Okay, it can be recycled. Cycle, right. It, I just never paid attention as to what the numbers meant, just that it could be recycled. Yes. Yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So, listeners, uh, we're going to wrap up. But before we do, Jay had a great. She has an announcement today that that was released in in the news in the media uh, today about um, concerning our subject. So, Jay, I'm gonna let you take it away on that one because that was a pretty interesting article. Just today, listeners, there is an article um, online. And this was from USA Today. The tagline was, Quest Laboratories announces the first PFOS blood test for consumers. And those are uh, the, the first blood test for forever chemicals. So I'm just going to read this because, again, I'm not this, this smart. I'm just going to read it verbatim. And USA Today says high levels of PFOS have been linked to ulcerative colitis, 
uh, diagnosed high cholesterol, thyroid disease, testicular cancer, kidney cancer, low birth weight babies, and pregnancy-induced hypertension. All those studies are inconclusive and still ongoing. And folks, you have to wonder, Pam and I <laughs> are shaking our heads, how long are those studies going to go on before they conclude that you know, those chemicals are causing those issues? Yeah, it's like, well, how much evidence do you need? Um, so Quest Diagnostics um, in the United States, Quest Diagnostics Labs and LabCorp are the ones that are primarily used for people to go to to get their blood tested. So they announced on Monday the first consumer-initiated physician-ordered blood draw test for Forever Chemicals. The test that you can order online will be available for most of Quest's approximately 2,100 diagnostic centers in the country and will include, if desired, a separate telephone consultation with the licensed physician to go over the results and ways that you can reduce your exposure risk. And so, you know, after, after our discussion of what Forever Chemicals are and what they reside in, it should be interesting to find out how mainstream this kind of test is. And the cost may or may not be covered by your insurance company. And it may be linked to maybe one of those things that we talked about that, that, <laughs> that aren't conclusive, but studies are still going on if you have testicular issues, if you have reproductive issues. Maybe uh -huh. insurance will cover it, but it, since it's so new, I don't know. Um, so $299 for the panel to get that done. And what, what was it, Pam, $7 for? $7 for the uh, doctor's fee. For a doctor's fee. a $7 doctor's fee. Right. So for those who just have $300 hanging around in their, you know, change jar, which aren't right. many people, by the way, especially if your insurance mm -hmm. is not going to cover it, or if you don't have insurance at all. Right. Um, you know, Pam was talking earlier offline about those who are most vulnerable to having forever chemicals in their systems probably are, are the economically disadvantaged. Yes. Um, and they probably can't afford to go get that done. And even if they did, so what are they going to do about it? Right. Exactly. Right? You're absolutely right. So. And, you know, the thing is, we, and we've talked about this in other podcasts, um, those you know, those low-income populations, they are very, it's more than just not getting the correct food. It's also about their exposure to the chemicals that are, you know, that, that they're at a higher risk than someone who is conscious and, and knows and can go out and buy glass containers and change their makeup and, you know, not go to the dollar store to, to you know, buy these microwavable dinners. At, and I say dollar store because of the fact that a lot of people who go to dollar stores to buy their groceries are buying products that you throw in the microwave. Right, right. And they're, you know, high, high in other, you know, content, which is not healthy. Mm -hmm. And they're probably in packaging that is really inexpensive to produce. Yes. Right, Absolutely. which means they Absolutely. probably have more chemicals. To that, to that, because there was an article that was done, or a news report that was done, I would say about a month ago, that they had a recall of a couple of items, food items, from the dollar store, or Dollar General, right? Mm -hmm. From Dollar General, that they had to do a recall on it because of the fact that it was, you know, causing, it had harmful effects. Yeah, and again, if you are part, and, and I say this because I used to be of that population where I could only afford to go to the dollar store, folks. By the way, I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Um, if, if, if you are shopping there, you are probably not you know, watching news reports on recalls. You're probably not getting all of that information on everything that's been recalled either. Which is very unfortunate because, and there's people who say, oh, I don't watch the news because it's too depressing. <laughs> well, uh -huh. and that may be true. In yep. fact, it is true because it is depressing. But right. uh, you really, right. you have to stay informed. Um, read the ingredients. Try to, try to do the best that you can with what you got. Uh -huh. um, 
it's 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 a darn shame with with all of these chemicals around that someone's not on the bandwagon to say what the heck are we doing to ourselves and right. what are we doing to our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren right exactly and just to go back to say while you were talking i just went ahead and looked up the the, the dollar store uh and actually with dollar tree the recall on it was this um hooray for children this apple cinnamon fruit parade that they had in these pouches, you know, how they have vegetable and fruit pouches, and it had elevated levels of lead. Yeah. And so, and it was, it, believe me, they didn't find out this on their own. Somebody, you know, some consumer, some, someone decided, let me do some testing on this because of the fact that it was their child that had been hospitalized because of high levels of lead that they found in the system and the parents could not determine what was happening or what was being fed to the child and this is this is just one example but you know if, if we're diligent if we do the research ourselves we try to expose what's happening to give you at least the groundwork you know the foundation from there you have to build your own arsenal your own Fortress. I'm going to say that because Jay and I often have said about you know our bodies being a castle and trying to keep everything out away from the moat. You know, um, so we have to to be a a, a a civilization or society, and I'm talking about our global society of conscious thinkers, um, and and we have to be resilient in what we do because it's not just Jay and I spreading the word to you, but we hope that you take this information and spread it to others. Right. Don't keep it to yourselves. Don't let it remain a secret. Um, spread the word. Get people interested. Get people talking. Get people asking questions because that's mm -hmm. what's going to motivate those who <laughs> are making decisions, right? Right. They're, they're not going to do it unless we speak up. True that. That. And we have to, it's, it's strength, it's power in numbers, as they say. Yes. And so, uh, just to end this uh, podcast, you know, we are starting to use quotes at the end of our, of our sessions. And today's quote, I don't know who the author is. I could not find the author who, uh, to attribute this to. But whoever, whoever this was said, there are too many people counting calories and not enough people counting chemicals. And boy, oh boy, is that true. Yes. Listeners, until next time, this is PB. And Jay. Signing off until next time.